1: There are many ways of looking at our basic personality. Doctors, nurses, mothers, and fathers can attest to the fact that babies are born with certain temperaments. Some are born placid and calm, and others come into the world feisty or fiery. Our guest today looks at our basic personality in terms of the four central elements, water, air, earth, and fire. In her professional experience and private practice, Deborah Silverman has come to understand that we cannot change our personality stripes any more than a zebra can change its stripes. Today, we'll be looking at how we can get to know and embody that most natural part of ourselves so that we can give the gifts of our true nature with our guest, Deborah Silverman. Deborah Silverman holds a master's degree in clinical psychology and is specialized in helping thousands of individuals achieve emotional health and wisdom based on their unique personality and the four elements of water, air, earth, and fire. She combines this work with her expertise in soul-centered astrology. She is a host of an online radio program, Tell Me a Story. She works on an individual basis as well as with groups and is the author of The Missing Element, Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. Join us for the next hour as we explore our personality type and how our unique voice is vital to the whole of life with our guest, Deborah Silverman. I'm Justine Willis Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Deborah welcome Thank you. Tell me let's talk about the elements first. Um, tell me why are they important? why why should we get to know them? I think it's a return back to basics. We have so much psychology
2: and new age and theories. And this is a very simple, practical tool that brings us back, one, to an ancient memory of the four directions of the American Indians or the four worlds of the Kabbalistic Jews or the four noble truths. It's always based in four because it's a square and it's grounded. So I love this material because it's so practical and it's hands-on. It's not theory. And it's returning us to an old, ancient system that has been left behind because we've gotten so caught in our heads. And I just love the physical physical, sensual world and making things embodied rather than being theory, like theories after a while. I mean, I'm fascinated, but I love application and seeing people's lives change and not just reading about it or theorizing, but actually seeing a difference in someone's life very quickly.
1: So when looking at our personality type, I know that you have a whole questionnaire that people can look at online and they can start to figure out what their Missing element. Yeah, (laughs) their missing element. And what is their strong element? So let's go through the elements. Let's start with water. What is the strength and the shadow part of water? So think water, tears, like or salt water. Tears are emotions.
2: So the strength is they're super compassionate, and they're sensitive, and they're creative. And they want you to come to their house, and they want to cook for you, and they want to cuddle with you, and they want to play house. They don't want to go out. They don't even want a lot of people around. They want to be quiet. They want to have bright music on and they have little incense and candles and create an atmosphere. The upside is who's more fun to go feel healthy or healed by? Where would you rather go than to a water person to be soothed? But the downside is they don't go out of the house and they get caught in their mood and they get caught in their internal world and they find themselves either getting caught in addiction or getting caught in spacing out or just being in a dream world rather than their feet on the ground. So the upside of water is super creative, healing, soothing, the downside is kind of an escapist or a person that kind of retreats or goes into more of an internal world and doesn't want to be around people because they bug them. So, And water love animals. That's another clue. They have a much stronger relationship with babies and animals who don't talk than they do with people who are annoying and too verbal. So water's upside is compassion, intuition, psychic, healers. The downside is indulgent in negativity, in moodiness, depression, addiction, It's escapism at its worst. So what about No Boundaries? Well, that's what happens. Good one. That's what happens when you're in the downside of it is you can't tell where you and the other person starts and stops. So you're sitting next to someone on a plane or you're sitting next to someone at a restaurant and suddenly you're in a mood and you're like, well, I, I lost my boundary. I can't feel myself compared to the other. So the downside of water is they can't distinguish between their sadness of the collective, like we're in the middle of this election or we're in the middle of a trauma and you start to feel a mood coming on. You can't identify it. You lose your boundary. Versus other signs that would be going, What are you talking about? Why would you get your boundary vague? Just stay true to your truth. But water people can get very think about it, when you clean water, everything around it gets clean, but at the end it's dirty. So it collects, it absorbs. Water is the healing component. That if you, you know you use a sponge, it absorbs everything, but when you squeeze it out, it's got all the dirt. So water people can be empathic and moody, and they tend to be caught with no boundaries. It's a good
1: so so they they are can can be good empaths. I mean oh, that, they're the psychics.
2: Yeah. yeah. They can read people's minds. At Dalai Lama is a double water where he like there's so much compassion and so much meditation, so much desire to just be. The high road of water is they can sit and they can do nothing on purpose. Some of us don't understand this, but they can just lovely look at the water and the clouds, and they're having this, and they're so peaceful. They're so calm, calm water. But when they get disrupted or something disrupts their psyche, their energy, they're so emotional. And they get so reactive. So that's the downside. So they can be stormy. Yes, and storm out and right. leave the room and never want to talk to you mm-hmm. again. And they mm-hmm. don't say anything. They, gro- they kind of brood, and then they cry, and they cry. You're like, can you find the off button on that emotional thing? And they're like, no.
1: So the downside mm-hmm. is they get captured by their emotions. Also, um, I, I think that you caution water people to allow others their pain. I love that you really did read the book. Yes.
2: So, in the book, it's very, this is one of the big arts to water. When someone's died or there's been an illness, when someone comes to your house, you don't want them to start talking over you or try to fix it. You just want to say, listen, I'm sad or I feel really miserable today. And the best thing a water person does is go, yep, you look sad and miserable rather than, well, go eat this and go, you know, people that jump in with earth, it's so annoying. Like, let me be sad. So, the art of water for any good healer is we give people their pain not forever, that we allow them permission to honor
1: the wisdom that comes through pain. I know that you use an example, a couple of examples that I really liked. One was um, a woman who was coming to you, and her husband had died several years ago, and she was very sad, and she was living in her sadness and sadness. And you gave her the instruction to call her sadness, name it by her husband's name. I think it was Henry. Here's Henry, exactly. Here's Henry yeah. again. So so describe that process, and was it helpful to yeah, her? Yeah, she totally got it. She named it. I call this the observer.
2: So you notice the pattern that repeats itself, that keeps on hijacking you or kidnapping you. You give it a name, and then you put it in its seat. Like, Henry, I know I feel really, but right now, I really want to be giggling. I'm watching a movie. You're just invading. So you have some freedom once you're identifying what the repetitive pattern is, and it's very powerful to have the observer, that's really the essence of this book, is step out, look back at your patterns that repeat themselves, and then give yourself the permission to say, yeah, I'm sad, but I don't want to keep him around all the time. It's sw- I call it swamping. The water starts coming in the room, next thing you know you're swimming and now you're under the water and you don't leave the room because you're too embarrassed. Water people can stay at home and never come out of the room.
1: There was another example that you gave too. It was a guru who had lost his son And you, uh, so tell that story. So they keep, he's crying and crying. And his
2: men, his people around him, what do you call them? His little um, followers, his students said to him, you've got to stop crying. And he looked at him and said, this is my son and I'm human. Let me have my pain. Or the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. There's nothing wrong with pain and sadness, but people just try to skate over it. I call it ice. They take their water, they freeze it and they pretend it's not there, but it never really goes away.
1: So I always encourage my clients to feel the pain. Or another way of describing that is like spiritual bypassing. Exactly. That they just go up to light and love, and and then they then it's kind of stuck there. Yes, yes. It stays in your, their,
2: Exactly. It stays in their body, and they don't return to
1: relationships.
2: They break their heart. They don't go back into life again, and they get stuck in a memory, and the memory becomes a ghost. But it's not verbal. It's not even conscious. So part of my job, I think of myself often as a blow dryer. I'm like, can we review this and I can melt the ice? My favorite story in the book is the fireman who um, worked at 9-11 and died. His whole team died. He came home to do justice to the story. The short answer is he had to forgive the unforgivable. This is water. Like, how do you return to your heart being open after someone betrayed you? Well, that's a spiritual practice of forgiveness, and that's water. And it's a real art form to be able to stay true to the pain, not deny it, but don't live there and camp out and I call it living in Egypt near the Nile. They end up in denial, and they spend mm-hmm. the rest of their life camping out in the Nile. So you've got to be careful to let the emotional body come up and then know how to let it pass. And that's really the art of water, to keep moving. Water has to keep moving. If it gets
1: stagnant, we get smelly, icky, green things growing on the top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's talk a bit about uh, air uh, so tell Our me, specialty, tell me, uh, that, 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 yeah, yeah, that's one of my specialties <laughs> and yours too, Deborah. Yes. Huh? Yes, that's why you read yes, the book so right. well and underline <laughs> with your colored pen. Air people
2: like they love to read, they love to think, they love to collect information. They're researchers, they're communicators. They love relationship and they're really fast. They're nosy, they're curious, they're endlessly curious about how other people, work, and books and intellectual material and studying and going on the internet and getting lost in the middle of that magical world called cyberspace. Um, excellent with words, excellent at being able to remember things for a while till they forget their airheads, right? <laughs> so at worst, they're really onto something and then oopsie, there it goes. And then it comes back in. So they are a little bit undependable. They're indecisive because they've got so much data. And the thing about air people is they don't think they're smart because they know how much they don't know. I love that Einstein quote, the more I know, the more I know I don't know. But it limits their self-confidence because their mind is so scattered or it's so multi-talented that they don't really feel like they're really good at anything and so they suffer from insecurity at their worst. At their best, they're extremely articulate. They're great teachers. They're really good at relationship. When, they will, when they're willing to keep the communication going, they stay, but otherwise they can detach and go a little bit cold.
1: I like uh, you You talk about the air people that they can be like a gentle breeze or they can be a tornado. <laughs> I can relate to that.
2: Exactly. <laughs> and they leave things a mess. Air people have things everywhere scattered. They forget what they were doing, and they lose their this, and they lose their that, and they forget where they were going. That's their tornado version. But
1: when they're soft breeze and they can pace themselves, there's a wisdom to air. So curious mind, a thinker, they use language. They um, One of their, I think, a good thing about air is that they can change directions easily. So they don't get into dogma, is, is how I would, would say that. They, they can let go of dogma. Well, think about putting air in a box.
2: It sneaks out. You can't get <laughs> air to stay yeah. anywhere. So they're freedom lovers, and they have a way of breaking the rules. And they're designers. They've got great taste and great stuff, but they're never going to do what they're supposed to do. They
1: hate being told what to do. You can't get air to stay anywhere. <laughs> Think about it, right? And there we go. I'm here with Deborah Silverman, and she's the author of The Missing Element, Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. And if you'd like to know more about her work, you can go to her website, Deborah Silverman Astrology.com. And she spells her name Deborah, D-E-B-R-A, Deborah Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website Here with Deborah Silverman, and she's the author of The Missing Element Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. And we're going through the elements here. We've just gone through water. We've gone through air. Is there anything you want to add to air? Well, that- I, I would say
2: just the high road and the low road, the shadow and the strength. Excellent. The strength of air is they really do have a gift in relationship and they know how to stay active and really communicate and be direct with a partner and not let them avoid the hard conversations. But the downside is they don't want to do relationship. They'd rather be alone because they can't stand disharmony. So they'd rather be alone. They tend to be separate. And they talk about relationship and they dream about it, but they don't really ever go out. They don't want to date even. They get caught in that, old ice position we talked about when water air people can really cut off so the high road is the willingness to speak to the unspeakable to talk about things that are hard and the low road is to avoid at all costs and to have the conversation be dippy doo and gossip about everybody else but not do any self-disclosure there you go all right now, I'm skip over yeah. that to the Libra. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> yep. Because they they all relate also to astrological signs too. So you're, you're saying. Let's, let's go backwards a little bit. Water, the astrological okay, signs good. of water are...
2: Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces.
1: But just because you're that sign, some of you are going to
2: listen today, and you're going to go, wow, I related so much to water, and I'm not a water sign. So don't get limited. That's why in the book, there's no astrology in the book, if you notice, zero. Right. And I did that because I wanted the layman who knew nothing about astrology to understand the elements. However, yes, so Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius are the air signs. And the goal of this game, which we didn't say, is you want to have all four. Like four wheels in a car, one goes down and the whole thing goes off. So the goal of this game is to have all four equal and it's rare, but that's why you read the book to find out your missing element and just highlight that.
1: We'll, we'll talk about that, but first I want to go through the other earth. two elements, earth. So let's talk about the uh, strengths and gifts of earth and the shadow part of earth. So
2: earth people are the rocks. I love saying that. They're rocks, they're trees, they're solid, they're grounded, they're good at money, they're good at details, they keep things orderly, they have those little guns. When I was a kid, they had these little guns where you'd put labels on things. I don't think they have those anymore. And you stick the little, But like they have underwear, I have a friend who would do her underwear drawer with the label, and she would put her pencils with because they become obsessive about details and having things in systems. And their gift is Excel spreadsheets and making sure their taxes and their insurance, they like to do their taxes go figure. (laughs) They they love to clean. They get off on cleaning. So these are people that want order. They bring order out of chaos at the highest road. They are structured and dependable and really solid friends and very successful. At the lower road, they're obsessive compulsive. And if you put the dishes in the wrong way and the forks up instead of down, they're all mad at you or they have to have control. And if you don't do your dishes or you don't put your bed, you clean up your bedroom or you don't get the thing done there, they have a control issue. So at their worst, they are grumpy. And they complain that they work too much and you're never doing anything, it's always me. And then you say, well, let me help you. And They're saying, no, you're not good enough. You're like, well, you can't complain and then not do it, but they always get up to do the dishes and wonder why no one else does. So they can complain and be grumpy and heavy, or they can be philanthropists and be very kind and generous. And that's the story in my book is, how do we share our wealth rather than stick it all in a drawer and hide under the bed. So people that are low on earth, they throw money away. They have no respect for it. They're always seeking it. And they're kind of like worried all the time about money. The ones that have too much earth are obsessed with it and so caught in it that it becomes their fixation and they're not having fun. They're just counting money, so to speak. So there's extremes in the earth element. And um, in its balanced form, it's someone who loves doing their work and they love doing their, like they've turned the practice of simple life, mundane life, into a
1: spiritual practice rather than complain or obsess with it. There's a saying that that we have here in New Dimensions. It's um, it, because, like, going back to astrology, and I, I associate all these qualities that you're talking about about Earth with Virgos. And I just said, for me, it's like, thank goodness for all the Virgos, and in, in number one in new dimensions that helped us start all of this, and that that have that tenacity Detail. to to their their artists of the details, and I think that's you you use that phrase in your book. Exactly. And, and so, thank goodness, it keeps the world working. Glued. And, you know, glued nailed together, down. nailed down and and structured in a way that otherwise it's flying off in total chaos. You leave it to an air person and they forgot where they put everything. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, it, you're saying now the downside of too much earth would be
2: boring and tedious and getting caught in details and feeling like you're not right you're not right and judging the poop out of everybody who doesn't is not on time or they're not responsible they people feel very judged by high earth because they're looking at you and thinking you should be should's the operative word that's a negative side and the upside is philanthropy genuinely being in service like loving to be helping somebody else and doing it without caring what the money is or how much comes back cuz they're just genuinely practical and giving you like a, they they fix things and they do it in their sleep. They walk in your house and they know exactly how to build something. They know exactly how to make the dinner and they brought you the organic food and they're looking at the labels and telling you all about the cleanse and the fast. You're like, whoa. They're walking encyclopedias, these people, about practical things and not (laughs) woo-woo. Right. Like this would be a little, this conversation would be a little woo-woo for them. Like, really? We're elemental personality types? And then once you give them the practical information, that's what I love about this practice work. They go, Well, that makes sense. That's their favorite thing. Well, now I can see your point, but you can't talk theory to them. You've got to give them something concrete that shows results, and then they're in.
1: All right. All right. So what about uh, fire people? These are, um, I hate to say it, but they're
2: my favorite. Um, They're loud, they're funny, they're obnoxious, they drink too much, they party too hard, they spend a lot of money, they're athletes, they're show-offs, they're actors and actresses. In our society, we pay more money to fire people than anyone else. We pay more money to great athletes and more money to actors and actresses because they embody life in full color. They have like Christmas tree lights on their head and they walk in the room and you get distracted because they're always loud, they're a party, and then they have no off button. Like, okay, we're at a funeral, it's not funny right now, but they stick their foot in their mouth, they're very blunt, they're very honest, um, and they indulge. They can't not, not spend too much, eat too much, buy too much. You know, they have no off because you think of fire, it's only hot or it's hot. There's no lukewarm fire. So they when they're on, they're on. But when they're off, they can be very grumpy, they can get very depressed, believe it or not, fire people, and they can gain weight because they are so indulgent. They're, it's always like, oh, if you only knew what happened to me. You know, there's a little <laughs> drama there, and they embellish the story.
1: So uh, if it, they have that ability to tell the truth when no one else is. Totally. Like the emperor walks through the room, and they're like, look at his balls. And you're like, oh, my God. We
2: are all thinking it, yeah. but they had to say it. Like, look at Trump's here. It's all backward. Like, they can't not not say what we're all thinking, and they have to say it loud. And then you got to stop and go, oh, my God. But we're glad they're there because we're happy someone said it. But they get in trouble, like their mom,
1: especially as a kid. These are the troublemakers. Right. So, um, how about with relationship? How are they with relationship? They're passionate. They're very sexual. They're very overt.
2: They're very willing to stand up and they're, they're They can be in their worst. They're flirts and they play with their energy and get in trouble. They love to be noticed. So they'll wear sexy clothes and they'll be attention grabbers. The, the thing about relationship with fire is when they're in love, they're jumping up and down. Like it's not casual and you know about it and they talk about, I just was with a couple this weekend and he, he's with her for 40 years and all he kept saying was, isn't my wife beautiful? And she was like, would you stop? But he can't stop celebrating out yeah. loud. Yeah, That's their nature is to verbalize
1: what the rest of us would just be thinking. They have to say it out loud. So they're they're naturally energetic and enthusiastic that's a natural part of their whole personality they walk in the room and the room lights up they walk in the room they mess
2: everything up they bump into things they want to travel they want to take a risk they want to take a they have no inhibitions to get it wrong very different than water who's hiding in the corner going let's not leave the house today because i think it's a little safer back here fire's like safe burn it
1: down let's have a party turn up the music they they also i thought this was kind of interesting they they really don't like to be ignored i mean that's pretty powerful uh, i i would think that a fire person if they're ignored they they might think okay i mean i'm saying this for myself because i have a lot of fire your rising it, sign's right, fire right it's all right so there so i that's right sagittarius <laughs> okay so there we go and it's like, I can feel I, I don't want to You don't to want be the attention, seen. but I you don't. And then I feel like, why are they ignoring me? And then I just get all emotional about exactly. that. It's, so it's that's one foot pretty, on the gas and one foot on the brake. They're yeah. shy. Show-offs. Yes. Yeah. Just very confusing. But that is confusing. Because that's they want contrary. to be seen in
2: public in the context of their role as a leader. But when they come off the stage, it's great example, as An actress, they come off the stage and they really don't have an ego identity except in the role they're playing. So when they're off the stage, they're like, "Oh, no one's noticing me." And now they feel self-conscious and they feel. But they want the attention, but they don't want the attention. So it's a little confusing. Right. I worked with Sting for years, and he's Leo Rising, and he would come off the stage. You would never recognize who the difference person was off stage and on stage. So he's a rock
1: star, and he's letting it rip right. the whole audience. Yeah. And he's off yeah. the stage going oh yeah. can we go now? <laughs> there you go. So um, let's go back to what you were saying uh, earlier. You were talking about the observer. So there, there are two voices inside. There's our ego voice, chatty, 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 monkey, monkey, you know, all that stuff. And then there's this observer voice. So talk about those two voices. So let's just back up. My observer just told me to tell the other signs for
2: everybody. So Earth signs, Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn. And Fire Signs, Aries, Leo, Sag. I just wanted to balance out the okay, story. thank you. Yes. Um, the Observer is an ancient practice that I was introduced to me back in the day by Gurdjieff. By, it was an old system. It's in most of the metaphysical um, esoteric laws. That if you can step outside the movie, I call it the movie, and become a witness that has no judgments but is genuinely curious and is interested in your evolution. Or more importantly, interested in the evolution of the planet. Because that's essentially why... We incarnate. I mean, why would you come to this weird planet unless you were trying to be in service? That's my theory. So you come out of your body from the observer's point of view and you look back at yourself and you notice, oh, so I have lots of water. No wonder I don't want to go out of the house. No judgment, just a truth. Or, oh, I seem to talk a lot, to the air person. I can't seem to quiet that down. No judgment, just I notice I'm indecisive and I seem to be detached. Oh, earth, I'm getting obsessed with my details. Oh, fire, gee, I need a lot of attention, don't I? Now, you don't judge it. The witness just simply stands outside and looks back from a compassionate voice of kindness like your higher self would. And then suddenly it all becomes a movie. And instead of being dramatically compelled by getting your feelings hurt or being rejected or feeling like you're alone or you have no money or you have too much money, suddenly your observer goes, honey, this is a movie. You're playing in it for all of us. We're in this together. And your role could be enhanced if you stop judging you. And as soon as that doorway's opened, there's Kindness. And when kindness is there, this is the subtitle of the book. Then we're, because com- everybody's screwed up. There's not a person on this planet of all, I've almost 40 years in private practice and I haven't met any normal person yet. I decided it's the setting on the dryer. It's as close as we get. Normal, that's it. Because there's no such thing. And, but we were brought up, you know, trying to be normal or fit into the group or be part of the group. And the truth about astrology is you're as weird as they come and celebrate it. So that's the observer's point of view. You're a little strange. You've got quirks. Your personality is a little strange and so is your life and how sweet is that you're doing the best you can and you're trying so hard to help us
1: i want to let our listeners know that i'm here with deborah silverman and she's the author of the missing element inspiring compassion for the human condition and we're talking about the elements earth air fire water and how there are different personality types and how we can understand each other a little better. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, Deborah DebraSilvermanAstrology.com. And she spells her name Deborah, Debra, D-E-B-R-A, DebraSilvermanAstrology.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org. I'm here with Deborah Silverman, and she's the author of The Missing Element, Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. And Deborah, we're talking about the observer self and how we can look at our close relationships and and understand them better, understand the diversity of these people, because they may Be, uh, have a stronger element than we do. They might be water, they might be more fire, whatever. So it helps us in relating to them. And I know that you, you talk about your relationship with your mother, that you've had to do some work around that Mm -hmm. because she was very different from you and wasn't so terribly nurturing. (laughs) <laughs> How did you know that? Um, you <laughs> wrote
2: about it. Just funny. I told all my secrets. It's true. It's a great example because she was so fire and I couldn't understand her temper and why she would react like that. And my response to it would be to pull away and reject her and judge her and not want to be around her. And I had to learn and I'm still learning. And a, a better example is my son who has lots of water and when he was very little he had an instance that happened. He must have been three where he was in so much pain and he kept on crying and I didn't understand. And finally I said, to him, Daniel, you've got to stop crying. And he said to me, stop the car, get a book, hold me, but don't tell me to stop crying. And I realized I was trying to change him. Like I was trying to change her into me. Like, no, when someone's crying, he wanted me to comfort him. My mother's fire needed me to match it, not run away and not judge her. You know, I did scream back at her. I have to confess by the teenage years, I was a little wild to match it, but I realized I hated that feeling. So we reject the part of someone's behavior that's so foreign to us rather than, that's why I love this book, to understand my son didn't want to talk. He needed to cry. He didn't want me to answer. He'd stop crying, Mom. Right. And that was my exercise of how to be compassionate to someone else's system and not make it like me.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about if we have a strong if, if i took the test then i could see i'm strong over here in air and fire not so strong on earth so you're saying that we need to to balance and yet you say at the same time we have a basic nature so we can't change our nature but there's some something... increase one you, that missing element the book is about like if
2: i know you're missing earth i'd say to you okay here's and you won't like this you know you never like the homework I'd say, okay, we're going to clean your closets. Justine, how are your closets? Ooh. See? See? Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. So, so the symbol is, the missing element is that you're not taking care of some part, and therefore the wheel's off. Now, you can simply live with it as it is because it's comfortable, but if you wanted to enhance, and that's what I meant by the global or the bigger picture of this book, your contribution is as an individual— If we each took responsibility to really balance our system, like we really did want to make a difference, because people always ask me this, what's my purpose? I hear this question every session I do. What's my purpose? Like, are you kidding me? Breathing, number one. You signed up for this exercise. Take a deep breath. That's your homework that won't be hard. Then the second piece is find out what the missing element is. In your case, it would be dealing with money and taxes and taking care of your closets and cleaning up, and you won't want to do it. But like every time I tell a client to go take care of their missing element, the result is their lives change. So it's like the silly thing. I figured out the formula and I thought, hmm, not that I'm trying to make a buck, but I could because every single person that goes to the program comes out the other side going, Oh, my God, why was it so simple? Because you resist the thing you don't like to do. And the exercise being human is to stretch into
1: discomfort. Well, now, when I took the test, like I was very low on earth, yet I know in my life I love structure. I love I love the systems that I've—I I can't stand not to be able to find Order. something. And I, I, I have a filing system that you wouldn't believe that, that I can— find things affect a air that's, that's your ear. So let's talk about your
2: closets in your house and the but, clutter. But, yeah. That, <laughs> and that's true. My okay. office is So what they mess. say in I feng can shui, I never clean it up. If you know him. <laughs> so I say to people, if you have no earth, hire someone. Because someone's got to come in there and clean it up and create a system because you'll this be so a happy. This is good idea. This is what I, I couldn't do earth, by the way. I had to learn. Now I've got somebody, my closets look like a store. Like they're all colored. But I couldn't do that myself. Yeah. But the feeling for me, of having order because I'm error and I just rather be spontaneous and leave a little pile here and there has really shifted my world. So the missing element, when you cultivate it as, and you can hire someone. The other thing I say is follow someone around who's really good at earth and pretend you're them. Like my friend today was saying to me, she uses me for fire because she doesn't have fire. And I'm very courageous. I say things and now she says, what would Deborah do? So if you need Uh someone as a role model, Yeah.
1: yeah, borrow them. I like that, that that you don't, like, I don't have the skill of doing that. But if somebody once sets it up for me, bingo! I'm really happy. Somebody, my daughter-in-law one time just came in and just did my whole linen closet (laughs) just like, Oh, my God. I was able to keep it from then on. (laughs) Exactly. So that's what you do. You
2: look for someone to teach you. That's what coaching is. That's what good therapy is, is they should be giving you practical skills, and they help you get started on a running start, but you can't do it without help. There you go.
1: Now, that's very key. I just got that, you know, you cannot do it without help. That's true this whole planet. It's hard for us to ask for help is because
2: we don't we're human. The compassion for the human condition is it's okay to admit, I wish I could swear on the show, that we're really screwed up. Everybody is. I once taught a workshop at Esalen. I was young, and there was all these elders in my circle. And I said, okay, today we're going to talk about where we're really screwed up. I didn't use that word. And then one of the elders said, Deborah, that's inappropriate. And I was like, okay, raise your hand if you're screwed up. Whoever didn't raise your hand, you're really screwed up. How can you not admit that some part of your life is a mess? And if we could just be gentle about it from the observer's point of view and go, yeah, I'm just kind of goofy. Like, I know personally I'm codependent. So when I laugh about it with my partner, like, I want you to miss me. And he's like, oh, my God, you're so—and we make fun. So as long as I'm honest, that's my air thing. I happen to be codependent. Some people are stuck on details. They can't—they're control freaks. Some people are just depressives. They're depressed, and they live there. So you make fun of it. And then suddenly there's freedom because you've got compassion, and it's cute. And by the way, the human condition is that we learn by mistakes. We never get it right. And the mistakes are our friends. Go write that down. Like every time you have a crisis, it's the biggest wake-up call you could possibly have.
1: So in in one of the ways, and though that you you make a point, is that shaming isn't going to work. Good luck with that. You know, good luck with that because. But we shame ourselves. We do it inside. We do it in our head. Internal dialogue. And you say another thing that I really related to. Everybody goes through embarrassment. This is not unique to me. (laughs) See, I
2: just make fun. If you watch my funny, have you seen my funny videos on YouTube? You're gonna no, crack but up. Uh, okay. They're oh, really yeah, okay. five minutes of each video. Just put Deborah Silverman, then the name of like Libra. And I made fun of people. And I have millions of hits because of it. I mean, I didn't make fun of people. That's not the right way to say it. But I turned into humor the personality traits that really bug you about your sign. Yeah. And then suddenly it's
1: not shameful. It's it's funny. And <laughs> adding humor to it. That lightens up the air, doesn't oh, it? Oh, we're just yeah. a joke. Oh, we take
2: ourselves so seriously. I, I, I think about it. How, when I was younger, how serious this whole movie was! I was one of those really serious teenagers. I'm making up for lost time now.
1: Yeah, I was well. so serious. But and you you also use um, stories in your book. I, I love the stories. So you have a story for each of the elements of somebody that you you know. And one that was particularly moving for me was the man who was in San Quentin. This was the air sign can Can you tell his story? It was yeah. so beautiful. He spent twenty seven years in San Quentin with a life
2: uh, he was on for life. He was in for life. He did a c- crime that was small. He didn't hurt anybody, but because he was black and he was from Watts, they put him in and they gave him a deal that he didn't know what he was signing for. So they had no parole. and i he had a parole, but they never listened to him. So I went to one of my wealthy clients and told her the story. I'd been going to see him, and I wrote him every week for 11 years, every Monday now, morning. Now, to describe how you even got because connected with him. Uh, my son's nanny was best friends with the woman that was working as a volunteer at San Quentin, and she was leaving. And she said, this guy is so cool. Please write him. And I said, I'll write him. So we wrote him for 11 years. I, I, I went to San Quentin several times. I kept wondering why all the same people were always there. And then I realized I was, they were all had life and they never left. I kept going back and going, isn't it funny how everyone's always the same people in this little room here? That was silly. Anyways, so um, I went to the wealthy client. Well, chief. we're very naive about yeah, that. I just was so foreign. You're in these yeah. big, giant, steel-trap doors, yeah. and you're walking in, and it's a long process to get into the San Quentin. So then I told the client, and he said, "I'm going to several of them, so I'm going to give you some money. Go hire the best lawyer in California. I went and did that, and we suddenly—this uh, is a crazy story. We got Kenny out of prison on the day that President Obama received his nomination, that 45 years earlier to the day— Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. So that day, Kenny comes walking off after 27 years, being shackled on his ankles and his wrist, opens up his eyes. He's got this gray sweatsuit on, and I hand him a wallet full of $100 bills and go, Kenny, let's begin. And so he came out of prison. He had never seen butter melt on a pancake. We went the next morning to IHOP. He had never been to a Walmart. He went to use his ATM card at the counter, and I told him to use his year of his birth, and he pushed. He couldn't get it. And the woman said, What's wrong with the ATM card? And he looked up and he said, I just got out of prison. After I said, Kenny, Kenny, we're not going to tell the lady at the counter. I've been there for 27 years. I don't know how to use this thing. And she, like, backed up, like, ew. I said, Kenny, let's keep the story to ourselves. But we watched over the next year him re-enter society. And it was all because we had the faith, this is all about error, that the mind gets caught in thinking nothing's possible. And he and I never gave up the possibility that, of course, you're going to get out of prison. I mean, I thought I was lying when I said it to begin with, all those Unicorn cards that you get the New Age store and don't give up, don't give up. And then it it really worked. He got out of prison.
1: And there's something about air that that magic and synchronicities happen. Oh, listen to that story. He walks out the day that
2: Obama receives his nomination. Synchronicity is one of the specialties that happens to air people because they're very spontaneous. Mm -hmm. And they don't get limited to what they should do. They follow the wind. So they're late all the time and they forget where they're going, but they end up in the exact same spot, the right spot. So Eric's gift to synchronicity. But that story is truly one of my—because he's now very happy, and he made it all the way through. He's living with the woman. He's got grandkids. She kind of borrowed him as the grandpa, and he's having
1: a huge life. Oh, that's so good to hear. That's I love a, that I, story. I love that story. I love that story. And you have many other stories in the book that are just so inspiring. Thank you. Uh, and— and very helpful to see something practical, how someone, when they're living in that highest part, in their gift of their element. That's the whole point of the book. Is I'm,
2: This is when you asked, it was a great point you made when we started up before they came on, the audience. My reason for the book being global or cosmic or bigger than just you is that if you're a strand of tapestry and you're being yourself in full color, because I'm enhancing your elemental constitution and saying, here's how you can strengthen it, then you're going to contribute stronger in your life. The shinier your strand is, the brighter the tapestry is, the brighter our lives get. So if one person at a time gets more comfortable in their skin, I've done my job.
1: So it's it's our self-expression, using humor, keep it light, but but participate exactly. I mean, I mean be
2: in Engage. the game and watch your observer when it says to you, "You're eating too much. You stayed in the house too long.
1: You're drinking too much." You listen to that little voice. There, sorry, I, I remember just that. That you said something about how uh, people who who were prone to addictions they have a, a strong which which water side? or fire water. It goes water both ways. or fire. And so many of the people in AA are— Fire. Yes, they stand in
2: front of the audience. Hello, my name is Tom, and I'm
1: alcoholic. I'm going to tell you the worst story of my whole drama. (laughs) Let me tell you what happened that night. Tell me my drama, right. So I want to talk about how we can change our stories uh, in just one moment. But I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Deborah Silverman. And she, besides other things, that you are also an astrologer. Uh, doing soul-centered astrology. So maybe we can talk about that as well. I'm here with Deborah Silverman, and she's the author of The Missing Element, Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Deborah Silverman. She's the author of The Missing Element, Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. And Deborah, you also work with something called soul-centered astrology. Now, what is that? Well, regular astrology, which I respect, is all about the ego. It's
2: describing your personality type, and it's giving you lots of information about meeting your tall, dark, handsome man, or meeting your new job. And I'm interested in all of that. But my real focus is that this planet— I work a lot with Alice Bailey's work— that this planet is going through a major transition. We are world servers. We've come here with only one intention, and that's to evolve the species. And it comes through joy. It's my belief. I have this big joke that I'm the president of the Jews for Joy Club, and I have no members, but I'm really working on being happy. So if the goal of this game is to evolve the species— and to increase our frequency and to be an example, a really strong thread of the tapestry, if I can do that, then I'm fulfilling my job. And soul-centered astrology is not just your ego. It's actually answering the question, what did your soul sign up for? Like, what was the teaching you came in this lifetime to do? And then what are you here to contribute? And that's a lot of what I do in sessions. People call me for readings.
1: And, and I, I like the idea of joy. I, I often say, you know, remember that movie, the, All the President's Men, and they said, follow the money. I I advocate, follow the joy. Sad rising. Because that's where our natural energies are. They can be sustained uh, because it's natural. To you especially, because yeah, your soul's fire. <laughs> yeah. Not everybody goes for okay, joy. Right. Some
2: people really, they're grumpy, and it works for them. Mm-hmm. You have to be very—I've I I've had to learn— to be really respectful to those grumpy people because they're annoying. They don't, I just said that they don't laugh at my jokes and you look over, but I've understood with the art of this work that people, some people come into a lifetime to just sustain a very calm nature. That's not to say that we're going to ever stop seeking joy, but that is in my system, in esoteric astrology, your soul-centered astrology, the goal is to get to your soul and usually if you're in the depths of your soul, you're going to find pleasure. Now that's a newfound truth, because we used to think everything was oi, you know, the whole old system of this planet was think of Jesus, the image of Jesus. He's on a stick with blood coming out of his hands, and he's got kind of, his like miserable. Like that whole religion, as was Jewish, was not a happy game. But we're in a new movie now. It's called The Aquarian Age. We've turned a corner, and it really is about joy if you choose. And the soul-centered is to follow your deepest instinct and follow your natural rhythm. And suddenly, our life gets much easier. But it's contrary to what you learned in school because they want you to be, quote-unquote, normal.
1: Yeah, and then you have to kind of contort yourself. And then you feel really bad when you're not. Yeah. And then you, you feel shameful and
2: embarrassing, and you bump into things. And I'm like, good, I've, I love bumping. I, I've made getting it wrong fun.
1: I've made crazy normal. There you go. Now, you you mentioned that we're in an age. So talk about the age that we're in. You, you compare it with... Um 1776, the last time, 2011 and 12, there
2: was a conjunction or a square that occurred between Pluto and Saturn, and it happened also during um, 1776, 1780s, and it represents revolution. It talks about breaking down the structures just like this election, just like where we're at right now. We have to dismantle the structure, break down the system— just as they didn't, think about back to the revolution. you They left England. They had no semblance of respect for the old system. They get to America. They're supposed to send money back to the queen. They throw the tea off the boat, and they go, we're not sending her anything back. They cut complete ties. So we're similarly in this radical juncture where we're breaking the old model, but we don't quite know the new. We just know what we don't want. So there's this really awkward, kind of a teenage phase of the collective that we're in. And my suggestion is if we individually just find our rhythm just get comfortable in your own skin, then as a tapestry, then we're going to be able to make this transition. Otherwise, there's so much external stimulus right now that's confusing, scary, totally. And you watch this. I mean, we think something's wrong. It's the analogy I make is pretend you have never seen a woman give birth before and you walked in the room. You would think this was the most disastrous thing you've ever seen. She's screaming, It's unbelievable pain. It spent nine months of this really weird thing growing on her. And if you weren't wise, you'd want to cut the thing off. So don't misinterpret what appears right now to be a very dangerous time in history. I call it her story. A very dangerous time in her story where we're basically going through a transition. But this was predicted by all the prophets. This was exactly as it should be. We would dismantle. We would break. We would let go of the old structure as they did in the revolution. And something new would be born now. Birth is painful, and unfortunately for most people, they don't know how to deal with pain. So one of my arts is, I I hate to say it because it scares me, but I celebrate the pain because I know we're coming into some new cycle. Now, when you're in pain, there's ways to do it properly, which is to say, where's my sisters or my brothers that can sit with me? Who can I ask for help from? How humble can I be to say I need help? And that's what the planet's up right now gets. We have to see how many of us can be honest enough to say, I'm scared, how can I help you? And who's the elders? Who are the ones that can say, I got this? Trust me. The astrologers, astrologers tell us this. This is predicted. We'd get to this phase where she was screaming in pain. And there were only the wise ones that could say, take a breath. Trust. God's not playing with dice. That's what Einstein said. There is a creative intelligence, said the astrologer. And I promise this too shall pass. And if we're wise enough to really learn humility... Just one of the lines of my book, there's two kinds of people, those that are humbled and those that are about to get humbled. And so so it's just, we're humbled and we're on our knees and we're doing our best to say, I'm sorry, I guess I didn't understand or this is so confusing or I'm scared
1: or please forgive me. God, if we just got good at being humble. Going back to your analogy about birth, it reminds me, um, years, years ago, this is in the late 70s, uh, we did a, a big event, three thousand people in an auditorium, and um, Barbara Marks Hubbard was one of the people that I've was done speaking. a reading for her. She's this is her analogy as well. Uh, and so you you know you know what I'm going to say, but I'll I'll say it anyway. She she um, so that our listeners are in on the, what I'm what we're talking about. It was the first time I heard her really articulate. She she had birthed five children, so she understood the whole birthing process. And at that time the the internet wasn't really on the radar. I mean it was kind of happening under the radar, but not in personal computers or anything like that. And she was reminding us that the last thing that happens in for a baby in the womb is its nervous system gets hooked up uh-huh. and then the birth happens. And she said, we're in a cosmic time of a cosmic birth or, or an evolutionary leap. And 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 then she couldn't predict it as the internet. She didn't know that word at that time. But shortly after that, we did get hooked up. The, like network. the nervous system of the planet, the internet, has been hooked up. So this is... Like an outward sign of this birth that you're talking about Absolutely. that we're in. The Hopi but Indians, a very different birth than 1776.
2: Exactly, The Hopi Indians, when they talked about prophecy, they said there'll be a spider web in the sky. This was written many, many, many moons ago. And that spider web was going to be the clue that we were at the later days. So this was predicted and meant to be that we would be in this internet connection. And this is very Aquarian, where suddenly we could push a button and the whole story's there, which is both positive because we got the news, but the bad news is over date, you know, you get inundated with stories and scared.
1: And then then lies or misinterpretations can be memed all over the place, and then people start to... to So it can be confusing. The feedback is not always to our benefit. And that's why I call myself the ultimate endless optimist.
2: I really do believe because of the children and because of the beings that I meet now that are between the ages of 2 and 30, there's these amazing beings that have arrived on the planet that are awake, and they are not going to let us fall asleep. And so there's another transition occurring because the youth is carrying wisdom. It used to be the elders carried the wisdom.
1: I think it's the youth now. But don't don't you feel that there is there's a connection between the elders and these young people. Those people in the middle years are so busy with their lives and earning a living and doing and keeping things together on the family level or work level or whatever. But there are these these kind of bookends. Mm-hmm. There's the elders and the wisdom that they know from their experience. And the young people with their enthusiasm and with their skill. And they're recapitulated. They're, think about
2: the kids you know. There are so many young people. I work with them on my team. I've collected all these young people. And they're way more perky in awake. I am there. I listen to them. I seek wisdom from these young people. And they love that about me because I'm not distinguish, distinguishing between age. So a lot of your listening audience, I don't know what your traditional listening audience is, but look over at your kids and start honoring them because they know way more than you know. And if you do that, it enrolls their enthusiasm, brings them back in the game, which is what Bernie Bernie Sanders is doing for the young people. Like, oh, he actually listened to us. We need to listen. I always say, listen and silent have the same letters. To really listen, you've got to stop talking. And to really listen, you've got to let your heart open and not be so arrogant. And that's an art.
1: So leave us with a piece of advice for our our time and our life. Well, what what is it? I mean, I, it makes that's a me, terrible it, it question. Touches, but no, I it want. touches my heart. I, I just
2: want to be let you know that while it looks discouraging, and we don't talk about it, and there really is reason to be concerned from the climate to the economy to the pollution to the uh, um, education to every system, it looks so broken. There is really a birth occurring, and so I give you the gift of prayer that says, while it may look like it's breaking, there's a birth. And not to misinterpret the sound of the woman crying as something's wrong. There's just a sign that we must stand up and be the midwives and be wise enough to say to her, I've got you. I can sit with you. I'll let your pain be there because I know there's a God. There's an intelligence. There's an incredible power at work here that we just don't understand. As soon as we surrender, that's my invitation. As soon as you do your practice of meditation, of taking care of your diet, of going for your exercise, I don't care what you do, just know that this life is a prayer. And it's waiting for us to remember who created us. It was the four elements. It's this ancient system. Don't forget that it's not a plastic toy and it's not an electronic button. It's the soul of your spirit and spirit itself saying, please wake
1: up and remember who you're working for. Deep breath. Thank you so much for being with us on New Dimensions today. I've been here with Deborah Silverman. She's the author of The Missing Element, Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. If you want to know more about her work, go to her website, DebrasilvermanAstrology.com. Deborah, spelled D-E-B-R-A, DeborahSilvermanAstrology.com. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions.